All right, guys, what's going on today? We have our Stoics 3.0. We actually did this one in person, so I think the podcast came out a lot better. Uh, we really get into a good rhythm towards the sort of back half. So I hope you guys are able to listen to this one all the way through. You know, we wanted to start a little bit more with the premise today of going through sort of the virtues of Stoicism from base level. And we do an okay job of that. We sort of, we do get sidetracked talking about stories and how we think that these relate to our everyday lives, you know, living in Dublin, Ohio with kind of current experiences and then talking a little bit about some of the more existential things. But, you know, Stoicism really core is rooted in an ancient Roman philosophy and, you know, is, is sort of attributed to, you know, Seneca, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius are kind of your, your core Three, and then there's a there's a handful of others that come in and contribute a lot to this philosophy. But it was designed to be a philosophy for everyday man, and you know to help us go through the trials and tribulations and struggles with the emotional feelings that we go through in everyday life. And the funny thing is how much this philosophy still reigns true. And as you read some of these passages from some of these guys two thousand years ago. It still is the same stuff that we're struggling with today. And so, you know, this is just kind of a, a discussion on a little bit of that background and then how we think some of these things really do pertain into our lives and how they help us be better, you know, husbands, fathers, uh, sons, daughters, friends, and business owners, et cetera, and how we're kind of taking this into culture building at friendship and why this has become a core thing for us and, and very important. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I hope you guys are able to listen to the end because I think the, the last few things we talk about are really uh, prescient. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right. Hello and welcome to the Stoics 3.0. We're brought to you today by Hanlon Rinaldi Construction out of Worthington, Ohio. For all of your construction needs. Nice. It's like the Louvre. (laughs) That came out out really professional. Uh, I love it. And uh, next time we're really working on this Ohio State Airport uh, uh, sponsorship. That's where we want to be next. Less is more, Jeff. Less is more. Um, All right, guys. So uh, our goal for today, we decided that uh, some people have listened to the podcast and given us feedback, uh, namely one of Bobby's friends who doesn't go to the gym and I don't know, uh, that he didn't know what we were talking about at all. And so uh, I figured... It's pretty good feedback. (laughs) It was good feedback. So I figured maybe we should talk a little bit about what stoicism actually is before we keep diving too much into like talking about stoics as if everybody knows what we're talking about. So... uh, We've got a couple things. We've got like the tenets that we're going to discuss a little bit. Uh, but I wrote down, you know, the core kind of tenet as I was doing a little bit of research today. Uh, and the simplest answer thing that I could find was, um, you know, it's, it's asking the question. The main question it seeks to answer is how can we find a path of happiness and really de- trying to design a system for everyday people. So let's kind of start um, just a little bit, just kind of talking a little bit about, you know, how you guys think of stoicism generally. 
um, and kind of, you know, as you're going throughout your day, I guess where it kind of rings true in your head and, you know, if it, if it catches you anywhere um, and checks you a little bit, because that's kind of what it does for me. So. Well, Sean has a lot of papers in front of him. Uh, so I feel like he should go first because he seems very well prepared uh, to answer this question. I just printed these off. out two minutes ago. Um, so the four tenets of stoicism, temperance, courage, wisdom, and justice well, I th- so I think, you know, courage for me, the one that always reigns true. And I actually, I, th- I think I heard this first in the Medal of Honor speech, which I, I like really stuck with me for years and years and years, um, is what, what courage really means is acknowledging that you are afraid and that you do have fear, but acting, doing the right thing or doing what's necessary anyway in the face of that fear. Um, and I've always liked that, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the military and like Medal of Honor. And, and when you're talking about somebody being awarded the Medal of Honor, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because to be awarded the Medal of Honor basically means you are putting your life in serious and significant direct danger, uh, but acting anyway to save somebody else's life or many others' lives. And so I think that's a really good, you know, just general definition of courage. You know, it's not um, ignoring the fear or trying to block out the fear or even, you know, just, um, it's you know, try, and try not to live there, with fear. Right. Yeah. Right. It's uh, we, no matter who you are and as you meet and talk with medal of honor recipients, or as you meet and talk with people who do display great courage, um, they will be honest with you a lot of times and tell you that they're, they're totally scared, but like these mechanisms just take over, right? Your training takes over. Um, you know, and this is a part of why you want to practice some of these things, in small digestible bouts throughout your day so that when, if you are actually called, you know, to require your courage that you're sort of ready and prepared for it. So that's kind of the way that I think of like stoicism and, and the act of courage kind of, uh, working in tandem with each other. Um, yeah. And I wrote, uh, that's kind of what I put acting the right way, despite fear or reservation. Um, I actually have a really good quote on this, (laughs) which kind of goes to temperance too. Um, I judge you unfortunate because you have never lived through misfortune. You have passed through life without an opponent. No one can ever know what you are capable of, not even you. And that's Seneca. And I think a lot of what he's saying is basically you've never lived with that, with fear, right? And if you've never had that fear, you've never actually been able to practice courage. You've never actually been able to truly test your mettle and see if you have that stoic trait or that tenet, um, or if it's practiced or not. And for people who have really lived a challenging life and really struggled with stuff and have faced that fear over and over and over again, um, they've been able to get the reps in really to, right. to train that. Um, so I like that quote. It's kind of a core quote, uh, from Seneca that as, that as I was looking through, I thought fit kind of courage really well. Yeah, I mean, I think when my friend said this to me, he was like, "Oh, I'm so you know, so cool that you're on a podcast." Well, honestly, I don't really even know what you guys are talking about. I was just listening to support you, and you know, I I I thought about that. I'm glad we're covering it. You know, just kind of kick off the discussion. I mean, without you know, looking up definitions, I guess for me, um, you know, I'm just someone at this age. I'm just constantly thinking about the best version of myself. And there's a stage in life where like, you know, depending on priorities as a college kid, high school kid, whatever, didn't really care about that too much. Um, but now I think about that often because I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father. Um, and so for me, when I think about being the best version of myself, the tools I use 
uh, and the literature I use to sort of help me think through those things are rooted in stoicism. And so, you know, there, there are, we all have our own definition of it, but for me, it's, you know, these, uh, these books that Ryan Holiday wrote, um, which, you know, he, I would say he probably has illuminated it for me the most. There are lots of books on stoicism, but, um, ultimately for me, it's rooted in those four, four virtues, right? So, you know, temperance, courage, wisdom, justice, you know, all of those things, uh, I believe are virtues that, um, we can aspire to and learn from and, and read more into. And those are, those are, that's the method of which I choose to pursue a better version of myself. Other people may not be as into stoicism, but they want to become a better person. Uh, they just go about it a different way. And so I was listening to a podcast, um, like a couple months ago and Ryan holiday was a guest. And I feel like the way he articulated pursuing stoicism was was great. And it's a common phrase, but when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. So it's not a religion. Um, well, you we know, talked about that in our last. Yeah, Jeff, exactly. Mentioned that many times that these lessons that life present, you know, at the time they're presented, you might not be ready to accept that lesson and you, right. you make the same mistake, um, you know, but eventually you figure it out. And move forward, right? You're mm-hmm. eventually ready in your life to accept that. I think the same thing <clears throat> too, Bobby. Um, I, you know, if you break it down into just do the right thing, right? So it's there's right and wrong in every situation, and if you try to do the right thing in every situation, at that at its basic level, I think is a lot of what stoicism is. And then more as you get into these tenets and, and get into the daily stoic, if people read that, which is a great resource, or some of the Ryan Holiday books, it really helps I you. I deserve kickbacks for that, by the way. Okay. Good. I got a lot of people kicking off their new year with that book. Okay. I just Ryan really like, me some money. I just really like that you had to repeat three times that you don't want to go into definitions because you're the only one who didn't come prepared with definitions in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, we don't have to talk about definitions. Stop talking about your definitions. <laughs> Ryan Holiday, Ryan Holiday, Ryan Ryan Holiday. The coffee's hitting. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but, I mean, I think as you go through and, and you really start, you read the Daily Stoic and you start um, really being mindful of those words that these philosophers put into place, it really just helps you do the right thing in, in every situation. So it just, it's, it compounds daily, sort of like going to the gym and you're doing a rope climb or a pull up. If, if you go in every day and you put in the work, eventually that all gets compounded. And it's the same with, it's the same with stoicism mm-hmm. really. And eventually, I mean, I think about it all the time because I, I copy the tattoo that Bobby got and got the four tenants on my arm. But I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, me. there's many times where, you know, you know, I'll be on the road and someone cuts you off and you're like, son of a bitch. And it's like, all right, well, that's not very stoic. Obviously, that's a very basic example, but there's a lot of things that what it's done is it's giving me giving me pause to think through these situations before I react. Yeah. Um, and it's Same. you know, and it's and I and to me, it's sort of slow things down. And it's not only in business or the gym. I mean, in my personal life with my kids, everything. And it's and it's really um, enabled me to step back and think 
before I speak or react. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in reading through even some of these like baseline definition um, articles and stuff just in preparation for today, I really enjoyed you know, thinking about just number one, reading some different thoughts on like from the founders, you know, whether it was Marcus Aurelius or Seneca or Epictetus or any of these guys that kind of are, are you know, coined with being the, the father of, um, understanding what they were trying to get is to help you number one, recognize your feelings, your emotions, and then understand how that really is the only thing you have control over. Right. And like, it, it kind of boils down to that. And, and so, you know, whether you take a car operating with your kids, you know, we have this rush of like emotions that comes in or these feelings and re really, I would say just me and, uh, you know, there's, there's people who are a lot better at this than me, but I would say a lot of times, like my initial emotional reaction, my initial feeling is, is wrong. Like is, is not hundred percent indicative of who I want to be right. Of, of, you know, the, the father, the husband, the, the leader in our community, like not indicative of, of who I want to be. Um, and so like you, you have to recognize that and then you really have to like consciously then put effort into what does the man that I do want to be, what does that person, how do they react? How do they act, you know, once they've sort of recognized these things? Um, and I, I think that that's really what it all kind of boils down to. And that is sort of a path to happiness because if you can control your emotions, if you can control your feelings a lot of times, then in reality, you can control whether you're happy or not. And, and so, and, and it, you know, you're always constantly working towards it. You're never going to be a hundred percent, right? I yeah. like, you're always going to have those things where like, man, I handled that wrong. But the other thing I think that, you know, you know, again, reading the daily stoic, thinking about these tenants, being able not only to see it in myself, but to see it in other people as situations go down and really think, oh man, that person handled that. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally wrong. They're going to want and, that and it's, back. And it's, yeah. yeah, they're going to want it back. And I see it with my kids or I see it, you know, wherever. And um, that is like, I feel like that's a superpower to be mm -hmm. able to watch that stuff externally as well as catching yourself doing it. And so it's just a constant practice. And these conversations are great. And, you know, I have in my office, I have four copies of the Daily Stoic because when people are like, what is it? Here, take this book and just start reading it. And it yeah. was the same thing that that's how I got into mm -hmm. it. I don't know if that's how you started or. Uh, I mean, it started from gym relationships. I yeah. mean, somebody at the gym recommended that book to me. I just, you know, I think in terms of translating stoicism into daily life, like Sean, you touched on a lot of it. I mean, you think about what people are dealing with at a macro level you know, in the world right now, you know, bail depression is up. Mm -hmm. uh, suicide is still a hot topic of conversation. Yep. Uh, before I feel like it was just sort of uh, that. I feel like that term when you hear heard in the news, it was more about military members and just the rates of suicide, which is not, I don't know what the stats are now, but you only heard in that context. And mm -hmm. now I feel like you hear about it more often. Um, you know, things are happening in K-12 with our students. Yep. And you were just talking about that on a podcast recently. Um, and so, you know, I believe in this, believe in this stuff so much that I just want to share those tools with everybody. Um, but you know, the people aren't, aren't as receptive or as knowledgeable. I guess I'll say that they don't, they don't know what they don't know. And so as much as I can continue to speak on it and we continue to, you know, talk about it, I feel like it's, it's helping people understand, you know, you can't figure everything else. You can't figure everything else 
out on your own, right? right? Like even if it's just you diving into a book or diving in a conversation, what we're really trying to say is, are you finding time to pause in your life? Are you finding time to reflect? That's really what we're talking about here. And the ways you do those things, I think are rooted in, in that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, like, so, you know, we, we had all this, you know, our sump pump, our, our basement's over flooding yesterday and I had to run back into the gym and pass Stevie off while Maria's still coaching. You know, she's got no voice. She's struggling to coach. She shouldn't probably be coaching anyway. And so there's like this quick handoff and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I got to go buy a generator. Our sump pump's overflowing. Our basement's flooding and I have to run back out. But there's members of the gym who are in class and they like say hello to me and they want to talk to me for a second. And again, it's like, those are those moments where like temperance. Yeah. Like you, you want to be in a rush. You want to move on, but it's like, nope. Like I, I want to be a great gym owner. I want to be somebody, you know, who, who takes that time and, you know, make sure that everybody knows that I care about them and their development improvement inside of the gym more than I care about what's going on, you know, in everyday life. And so like, those are those moments where when those things come up, you have to be sort of prepared in the way. But, you know, when you think about that, I like to look at it this way where I'm not forcing this down anybody's throat, right? Um, if you are listening to this podcast, my hope is that you have opened your heart to trying to be better, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why you take the time to listen to this podcast. And I'm not telling you that this is the only way. I'm just telling you that it is a way and it is, you know, a way that, that I do prefer. And a lot of people who I've seen open their heart to it end up better, happier, you know, in better situations and feel like there are situations in their life where it comes in handy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's kind of what I, that's my, that's my whole MO with the gym generally is just like, listen, this is like, we work out really hard here. Like this is, this is an environment where a bunch of people are going to give you a bunch of shit. You were talking about that. I forget who you were talking about. Oh, uh, Mex the other day when he didn't stand up as like 340 P, uh, PR. Still mad about that. And you were giving a bunch of shit. You're like, maybe we went too hard on it. I'm like, ah, he likes it. Um, <laughs> he does. You know, and you, you go through this, but like, that's our environment. For those who like it, they love it, right? Mm -hmm. For the people who it works for, when it's right for you in your time of your life, and you've seen this more than anybody, there are people who come in and it's exactly what they need at that moment in their life, right? They need community. They need people. They want to meet a significant other. They, they need a, a new boss. Accountable. Yeah. Right. They need, they need somebody to look at, you know, there are people who first joined the gym where they had just gotten in trouble with some alcohol related offenses and they were running with a crowd that was still maybe doing some stuff that they didn't want to be associated with. And they wanted to hire things for their, their career, their professional career, um, their relationship and who they spent time with and they came in and at that time I was very new and I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I can offer that to you. Now I can very confidently say yes. Like yeah. the people who you want to be around are in this facility if you're open to making the new relationship. Mm hmm and, but in that way, it's the same thing. This is not going to be right for everybody. The gym's not going to be right for everybody. Um, you know, and as you start thinking about this and going down this rabbit hole, if you're just like, I don't, these guys are like ancient Romans. Like what, what does this have to do with anything? And, um, you know, and you're just like reading it and it just doesn't click with you or you read the Ryan holiday books. If you read ego, um, an obstacle and those books just don't speak to you for whatever reason, like they really spoke to me, but like, awesome. You're still on your journey. You got to figure mm -hmm. out kind of what philosophy philosophy, what ethos does speak to you. Maybe it's, you know, religion, it's Christianity, it's Buddhism, it's, you know, Hinduism, whatever it is that speaks to you in that way. Or, um, you know, it's like a mixed martial arts philosophy, like, 
or, or a, you know, a karate or a, a discipline of a different structure, you know, just, just continuing to find that search of, I'm looking for a philosophy that I feel like aligns with my values that I can soak myself into that makes me feel more in control of, mm-hmm. of who I am and my feelings. And those I mean, things. going back to what you said at the beginning about, you know, stoicism is, Things are, life is hard, right? Things are going to be hard and it's okay. Like you should want to deal with the hard things because it will prepare you for the next hard thing. Then it just becomes a ladder, right? Till you're just, you're comfortable dealing with it. You're able to handle it. You know, your sump pump goes bad, but you know, that's not the worst thing. There's way worse things that can happen. So you're able to say, I'm going to get to it the gym and talking to these folks is more important. I could take what's five minutes, yeah. right? I'm still going to go home and fix this. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you guys have read any of the David Goggins books. Um, his second one I'm listening to now called never finished. So he wrote that first book and he didn't, I think I was telling you this, Jeff, he didn't go to a publisher to write it because the publisher said, I'm going to give you $300,000 for this book. And he said, my life story is worth way more than that. So he took his whole life savings and financed it himself, not knowing if he was going to sell one copy or not. Well, he sold millions, right? So he's talking about that book and the success of it and how he bet on himself. It's a great success. And this second book comes out, and he's talking about right after he finished the first book, he ends up in the hospital with a heart issue. And didn't know, it was touch and go, didn't know if he was going to make it. And he talked about being all fat and happy. I, I got to this point, wow, I, I really made it. And then this happened and, um, you know, it just made him realize life, it could, all this being fat and happy could all go away in a second. And he said, he had a saying in there, it said, life is the greatest competitor. Mm-hmm. Never, never stops. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so, thinking about stoicism, you have you you have to you have to be willing you have to know something's coming your way and that's part of it right so always trying to practice this so you're always prepared hopefully it's just a sump pump hopefully yeah, it's right. not a, a heart issue or something like that right but it's it's not seeking those things out but knowing they're going to come and being comfortable with i'm going to figure it out one way or another yeah, I mean, the, the best way I can think about, like, an analogy for how to apply it every day is, like, you're building, you're building muscle, right? And right. so, you know, I think these, these four tenets are, are heavy words, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, temperance, we're not saying, hey, wait until the biggest conflict of your, of your career or your relationship to start thinking about having temperance, temperance right? Temperance is just, the serenity now of the... Four tenants, <laughs> right? So it's like, how can you how can you maintain your poise, your composure in just even one conversation in your day that may not go the way you want it to? Courage. We're not saying like, hey, you should dive deep into courage uh, as part of stoicism to get ready for your bungee jump. Yeah, right. Right. Like we're just saying, hey, you know, maybe you know, in your relationship or at the workplace or in any environment, um, can you can you have courage and and just make an inch of progress, you know, towards what you were the day before in that area. Wisdom, you're not sitting down burning incense everywhere, you know, trying to pretend that you're some monk. Now, if you do that, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But we're saying like, you know, if you dive into that, the things that you will learn 
are more about using other people's shared, shared life experiences. A lot of them are in this book or are in the books, but um, to just learn how to navigate situations based on what other people have gone through, right? So like Daily Stoic, perfect example, the lessons that they talk about throughout every, uh, on every page is led by some small story, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. the point is for you to understand that this happened to somebody else, you know? And then lastly, justice, like, okay, very heavy word, but what, we're, but what, it's, what it really means in your everyday life is the right thing to do is the right thing to do. Yeah, be, and, fair, to, and, be fair to people be fair. equally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and pause and reflect on that. And so, you know, if you think about that, um, you know, if you can make progress every single day on just sort of the, uh, on those everyday things over time, when those big things happen, you're prepared for it, you know? And when you know something's going to go sideways, uh, in some sense, you're welcoming it, right? Like you're- And and that's what Jeff said at the beginning, right? Like you are welcoming that hard thing. You want want to test your metal. You welcome it. So, you know, somebody's got to, like I always look at it as, well, somebody's got it. Why not me? You know, yeah. somebody's got to handle it, so I'll handle it. Well, and the muscle will atrophy. I mean, just like you said, I mean, if you, you know, fat and happy, that mentality is basically saying what he's saying is is his resiliency, his grit, um, you know, is is atrophying. It's getting weaker actively because he's not he's not testing it anymore. Um, you know, and I think about that a lot at the gym, I will say like now, you know, coming up on 16, 17 years of training. Um, one of the biggest thing that, that feeds me and it's not necessarily like I get fed by other people quitting. Um, but having watched a lot of these gym owners and, you know, see what they do afterwards or, you know, they close their gym or they, they throw in the towel or they quit and, you know, now they don't work out anymore and now they're 50 pounds heavier. And now they're like, and you see it's this, it's this cascading effect. And I'm just like, okay, like I acknowledge that that is a potential outcome. You know, if I ever, let off the pedal just a little bit on, you know, on how I treat, you know, my health, my exercise, um, my commitment to, to the gym or to our community and those things. And, um, you know, it's, it's like, as soon as I see that stuff kind of snaps me back. And just like you said, the best thing that we can do for our next generation and why I think it's such a cool time to be alive right now is, is ensure that they have the information, the tools and the resources and the stories necessary to learn from others' mistakes. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know that a lot of people are still going to take things and learn them the hard way. Right. I mean, it still is what happens, you know, and I've got a handful of, of stories where I was able to learn in my life through watching somebody else do something that I was currently doing mm-hmm. and go seeing the outcome and going, Thank goodness. Boy, that looks yeah. like it sucks. I'm just not going to do that anymore. <laughs> um, and and having the wherewithal, you know, I'm super thankful for, you know, the wisdom to be able to recognize that because a lot of people, it's like you're like, hey, we're all shooting up heroin together. And we see this dude over here overdose. And you're just like, huh. And you just shoot up heroin again. And you're just like, okay, you didn't have the wisdom to see that that is like a, the, that is the outcome, right? If we keep doing this or even more so in that situation, the courage to walk away and right. go a different direction and drugs, obviously like that's a uh, heroin's right. a different one. Right. Cause we're talking about all kinds of different gambling, things there. Maybe. Yeah. Gambling. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I had a, uh, recent 
incredibly tense conversation with a friend of mine. And I think at the end of the day, we were, you know, you, you go back and forth with a friend, but ultimately you realize you're both sort of saying the same thing. Um, and I don't mind mentioning like the context. So we were talking about Michael Vick and sort of like his journey from, you know, uh, college football to the NFL to incarceration to where he is now. I th- I'm pretty sure he's an analyst for one of the major networks. And I think my, my friend was just like, he had just his, his point of view was I've made up my mind on this guy and I'll never support him no matter what good things he does. Um, and I wasn't here to judge or criticize that because I don't know Michael Vick. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was wanting to do, uh, was have a conversation around his community when he was getting into the dogfighting rings, right. right? And so I get my point was Michael Vick was dead wrong for what he did. And he he deserved uh, the punishment that he got for what he did. But he didn't do it by himself. Mm-hmm. He had been doing it well before he entered the league, Um but he was doing it with everybody around him, right? Mm-hmm. So his boys from his hometown, his college, his entourage, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that just concept of um, being a product of your environment mm-hmm. was not registering. It was being articulated as I was giving Michael Vick a pass because he was just embedded in this group of people doing bad things. And and it was coming off as if I was forgiving I was just, and I'm saying, no, I'm not forgiving what he did, but I am saying it is a, it is a toxic magnetic thing to be around people in general. So if the people around you are making poor choices inherently, even if you're not the one leading it, you're contributing and participating in it. Right. right. So let's hope that those people aren't drug addicts, people abusing right. animals, et cetera. That's why it's so important for those people to be pursuing the same things that you aspire for your better self. Yeah. I mean, you know, you said product of, you know, he was a product of his environment and, you know, Jim Trestle, his, what was his great line? You uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think about that a lot with, you know, having a teenage son. I think about it when I was growing up, you know, we growing up, you know, my dad was a great guy, you know, very, you know, he had all these virtues, but we never talked about it. He led by example. And I think it's so important to, to talk to, you know, these young men and women about, you know, and again, stoicism is just the vehicle to which we deliver it, but that it's okay to talk about it. Like you're allowed to talk about this stuff. It's a, you know, generations ago, we didn't have this conversation. We wouldn't be, in a room, three dudes talking about how to be better in stoicism. I mean, the first time I ever thought about it was during the resiliency class that we yep. did at Friendship because honestly, I was like, oh, shout this is all Jack. just a, mm-hmm. this is, yeah, shout out to Jack. This is all just a bunch of uh, feel good mumbo jumbo. Mm-hmm. Who needs it? And then you really start thinking about it and how it does, you know, play out in your everyday life, whether you're thinking about it or not. You're like, wow. Um, and so I think it's, it's really important for us, you know, to, to pass this on to the younger generation. And hopefully, you know, they're, they're not ready to hear it a lot of times, like, you know, Jack will make fun of it. And, but, you know, maybe by osmosis, it sinks in and, you know, at least he's thinking about, maybe it's in the back of his mind. And then at some point it becomes a little more real. Yeah. And I guarantee you, I mean, there's probably 50 guys in the NFL that probably played with Michael Vick 
that probably knew that saw it was going on mm-hmm. something and could have looked at him and just been like, you know, dude, you got a chance to be an all time hall of famer, right. top dude right. ever at your position. This is an existential threat to you and your career and your reputation and everything. Like there's just no need for you to be able to do this. And, and there, I mean, Randy Moss, if you've never watched that documentary on him, that oh, documentary yeah. was so impactful for me talking about a dude who, who did recognize it and did have the wisdom to pull himself out mm-hmm. of it and surround himself with a couple of guys in the locker room who did make a meaningful difference and he let it soak in. Um, you know, I think that stuff, you know, to think about like that situation specifically, it's again, that's a guy who learned the hard way yeah. and you know, he didn't have to, but he did. And I, I, I mean, I still think it's probably a 50, 50 shot. Like if we think about the lessons that we've learned in our life, it's, if you're lucky, it's 50, 50, you learn them the hard way or you learn them, you know, the easy way, which is, you know, you, you hear stories, you fables, you know, if you go back, like I read a book on uh, called Norse mythology once, and you listen to this book and you know, it's all Odin and the original like Norse mythology gods and Thor and all this stuff. And you're listening to these stories and all it is, is just this. It's just trying to teach kids through stories and fables, you know, the type of person that, that you want to be in mm-hmm. these situations and, you know, having these heroes. Um, and obviously they're all, you know, way over-exaggerated. Right. Um, but that's so that they're memorable. And I think, you know, a lot of times some of the stories too are, are negative stories. They're, they're Michael Vick stories, which is a negative story, but it does, in my opinion, at least have a happy ending because well, yeah, that's what, what I was going to say, where did it end up? Right. What you, what you look for in these situations, you know, the, the best thing is that he never did it. Right. The second best thing is if you did do it, that you learn from it and you don't do it again. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I think the, the mentality and, um, you know, in, inside of, one of Ryan Holiday's books, he does a lot of um, Reuben Carter, you know, the hurricane. Yep. And I think that to me is the most impactful story about just temperance generally and just kind of like carrying yourself, you know, wrongfully convicted of murder and you're imprisoned for 20 years of your life when you're like in your peak, you know, in your 20s, a heavyweight, you know, boxing contender. Just it's one of the craziest stories, I think, in human history. And to hear, how he handled it. I read that story every time and I'm like, you know, man, I obviously I hope I never find myself in prison, but nobody is above being wrongfully imprisoned from stuff. So he mm-hmm. didn't have control over that situation. And so you go through that, his whole situation. You're like, but that could happen to anybody. And all you can think about is like, I know that story. And so I hope that if that does ever happen to me, man, I hope that that mentality can bleed over just a little bit on my worst days, on my hardest days, that that can ring true in the back of my head and just be sitting there just for me to call on, you know, Mm -hmm. at that, at that moment, the ultimate control, what you can control. Right. So I think to kind of go back to a comment you made around, I mean, I don't want the whole podcast to be about Michael Vick, but I think, one of the arguments that the other person was making, and I, and again, I agree that like you made the Randy Moss, um, uh, you gave the Randy Moss example. It's a battle between choosing between what is right and wrong when you already know what is right and wrong. And right. that was the point he was trying to make. And I think when we think about stoicism, like we, we, if you think about it throughout any given day, you know what the, you know for the most part what the right decision to make or the wrong decision to make. 
But depending on all the other factors that are influencing your behavior, whether right. it be the people you talk to, the place that you work, the neighborhood that you live in, um, whether it's by your circumstance or not, what is okay? What ultimately is the decision you're going to make? Right. And I think you know, folks um, probably don't pause and reflect on that enough. Right. And I think that's why it's, conversations like this are so important. Well, it's it's going back to that fifty fifty thing too, like. Um, did you ever watch, I think it was on Netflix, it was called My Next Guest with David Letterman. Yeah, I've seen some mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, Did yeah. you see the one with Barack Obama? Mm-mm. So um, basically they, the, the point of it so. is, is yeah. what we're talking about here is like the 50-50 thing is people would always tell David Letterman or Barack Obama like, can you believe where you're at today? And the answer was obviously no, this is crazy. And and they would say, you've worked so hard to get to where you're at, it's incredible. And they David Letterman said, Yes, we did work hard. Many people work hard. Do you know how lucky we were to get to where we are, like to be in these seats right Mm -hmm. now? And so for him to realize that you could do the right thing over and over, you could be Reuben Carter. And and man, you got the wrong, you got, you got, you know, short end of the stick. And it's Napoleon. I'd rather have lucky generals. Yeah, my dad has a saying. He would always say, I'd rather be lucky than good any day. Yeah, yeah. And I never was, you know, what does that mean? And and it's true. Like luck plays so much into it. So again, you gotta put in the work. You 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 gotta you gotta keep grinding, but man, thankful every day for how lucky we all are, right? Yeah. yeah, that you don't, you know, that and so much of that stuff too, I think when you think about that is I just, you know, every time you you hear a Michael Vick situation, you just you know, I'm just thankful that I didn't, you know, grow up in yeah. those environments where you get to, where you do get put in those situations day after day after day, where you know you are around things that can that can be an existential risk to your life, or you're put in prison for an extended period of time for life, or you get killed, and um, you know that I think is always the thing where most of the people listening to this podcast can be very thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's a huge part of this. You know, when we go back to kind of the core four, um, you know, sort of having that wisdom. To, to see those things. I think that's maybe what your friend was maybe missing just a little bit is like, you know, maybe a better way to take it is, is just, I'm thankful I haven't been in those situations yeah. and, um, you know, I'm glad at least that he, you know, seems to have taken his second chance and not taken that lightly. You know? Well, you know, the dangerous thing with all of that is being in that environment for so long and so deep, mm-hmm. uh, where you where you uh, believe in what you're doing. So at a certain point, it's like, I know the difference between right and wrong, but I continue to make the wrong choice so much Mm -hmm. that this is the only right I know, you know? And, and, and again, I mean, we're, we're talking about some, you know, some heavy stuff. We're talking about crime here, but even in your, your day to day, right? Like, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had with Andy about nutrition, right? Yeah. I know the difference between right and wrong. I know what I'm supposed to be eating. What I offer you one of these cookies. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Sean has, like eight gigantic cookies in the middle of the table. I brought and those for Jeff. Yeah, this is, we know this is all a test. You're just waiting to see which one goes after it. Did, and I did my cheat meal. So this is exactly how I handle this. I ate before I came. Nice. And then I brush my teeth. I do. I floss, mouthwash. So then it's just not appealing to me. Yeah. Like that's my. That, it's a cheat code. I'm telling you. That's how you right do it. You eat, I you tell you, they're from hack. Amish country. Yeah. Hey, I'm telling you, it's like normally you guys know me. So like where it would have been bad was had I not eaten before I come. And like, I just like rolled in here or something like somewhat hungry. Those would all be gone by now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, again, just to make it more real for the folks that are listening and the types of things that they may be dealing every day, like 
nutrition, you know, is one where I think a lot of people struggle with. I mean, there are people who I would say, you know, just looking at them, they look in great shape and they probably will still tell you like they battle with nutrition all the time. And again, I think in terms of our conversation about stoicism and, you know, the difference between right and wrong and pursuing a more virtuous version of ourselves um, is all about awareness and pausing and reflecting on that and knowing that like, hey, maybe you're not exactly where you want to be, but you, but compare yourself to where you were even the day before or the month before or the year before. And that's really going to be your, your test for yourself to say, am I making progress or am I not? And then there's a lesson in and of itself. If you've been taking the time out to think about those things. Right. And I, and I think too, the other lesson is, is you got to keep showing up and doing the work even with the setbacks. So Mm -hmm. you keep pushing forward, you get up off the mat and you keep pushing forward, knowing that you're never going to achieve perfection, but you know, if you keep working towards it, you're going to be a better version of yourself. Yeah. And I just like to look at it more as like a, it's, it's a reps thing, right? So if I, if I treat it as, you know, right now, you know, I've, I've found stoicism seven years ago, started reading those books. So I've had seven years to start to learn about it. And then probably let's call it maybe three or four years to learn about it. And then really two or three years to feel like I've got my head wrapped around the philosophy and I can start to put it into practice consistently. So I got two to three years of reps. You know, I'm a big believer in 10 years of things. Like you can become an expert of things in about 10 years of consistent effort. Um, and that's kind of the way that I, that I like to look at stuff. So it's like still early in the journey, you know, eight or 10 years from now, I hope that this philosophy is more ingrained in who I am. And when it, you know, if you just went into a coma for 10 years and woke up tomorrow and met me that I'm like, a calmer, you know, more in control of my emotions, more, um, even keeled, making better decisions, you know, and, and you can feel that just in my aura, just in like my energy out towards people. It's a little bit more like laid back and a little bit more chill. Um, you know, it's, it's weird, but like, you know, Star Fox, I feel like has that, like, if you ever hang out around him, he's got a very laid back aura about him. It's very casual. It's very chill and and it's calming to be around and that makes people feel comfortable around him. Um, so that's kind of where, where I kind of think about it is, is I'm just trying to accumulate reps, right? I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I just learned the back squat and, you know, I just back squatted 300 for the first time and I've been doing this for two years. Um, you, know, you got eight more years in you until you, you know, what'd you hit recently? Didn't you hit like four? 40, 450. Uh, 450 last year. Yeah, yeah 450. Last fall, yeah. Last summer last so that's, that's more than I've ever hit. 445 was my lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can, and, you re- can you repeat that? Yeah, yeah. Bobby, yeah, Bobby, Bobby likes to have the run for the strongest dude in the gym. Um, but like that's... It's but, waning. But it's been what? 11, 12 years, right? Yeah, um, 12 years in July. And so, you know, that's... I, I think I hit my peak about like eight years in. Um, and that, that time's out. And so, you know, I think those are those things that, you know, whether it's nutrition or whatever endeavor we're taking on, when we look at these things, we can look at them just the same every, you know, I'm on my third year through daily stoic now. You know, like I said, I started to kind of master it a few years ago. I was just going to touch on like, for anybody who doesn't know the daily stoic, um, 365 days. And if you do it every year, it's the same January one is January one every year. Yeah. And shout out to Megan and Jacqueline who just got me the journal version, That's so I can awesome. kind of write in it. Yeah, I so. have it, and I, I have, I admittedly, I've read it two times through, and I haven't done the journal. Journaling also. stuff for me, it's not a habit for me, but I am trying to make a concerted effort towards it. I um, get better at that, you know. But my cool, the cool part about that though is like, the first year I might fill out. 
26 pages of the journal. When I go back through it next year, then it's like, okay, now I get, now I'm going to try for 51 pages and then the next year. And then like, you just try to, you know, it might take me three or four years to fill it up, but you know, treat it just the same as like, I'm just going to try to get a couple reps in when I feel like writing something or I feel like the prompt speaks to me that day, then then I'll do it. Um, and if I don't feel like it, then I won't. Um, cause I'm going to be honest with you guys. A lot of times I read it when I poop. So yeah. I don't always have a pen with me. I have it on my phone. That's oh, do you? How, that's how I do the daily stoic. Oh, is, nice. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm still, Cause, it's cause, all my nightstand. I like that routine. I should be, I feel like I need to be reading it when I wake up. I you do it before I, bed. Yeah. Oh uh, dude, I would be way too deep in thought. Yeah. Then I wouldn't fall asleep. Yeah. I do it right when I wake up. Maybe that's why I'm not sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's the coffee at six o'clock. It could be Uh, that too. No, it's my lawnmower snoring. I know that. Sorry, John. Yeah, mine. um, Yeah, mine's like, so I'm my, I'm best when I coach in the morning uh, because I get up at about four, between four and four, 10, usually sometimes three, four. You're such a drag in the morning and (laughs) it's hard to get you up and going. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, I try to get, I try to get an entire pot of coffee in before I see anybody. So like nobody's prepared for that. At that point, like everybody is me. Andy would be prepared for it. Yeah, even point. Andy, uh, I caught him. He came in at like five oh six the other day, and he tries to hit me. And like the rule for coaches is like you're there by like five or five oh one, five oh two, depending on you know red lights and such. Um, but like definitely not five oh seven. And so he comes in and he just kind of wants to hit me with the morning. And I just went up and just, just like big old handshake manhandled and pushed him back. And I just went, look, the expectation is that you're here at five o'clock. I just want to make sure that that's clear to you this morning. Right. And he just smiled. And then the next day he beat me to the gym. Right. Um, so he's there at like four fifty-seven, dominating, you know, accepting, uh, that. And, you know, that's one of the things I love about Andy is, you know, he's got pretty thick skin when, when you call him on that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's my routine is wake up and daily stoic with my first pot of coffee. Usually then the cat starts to annoy the crap out of me. Um, and so then I go for my second pot of coffee. And usually if there was a game or something the night before I catch up on, on all that stuff. Notice so. he's, he's measuring in pots, not cups. Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> cups. One pot, one pot down one, uh, one four o'clock. My up. cups are 20 ounces, right? So I have like three of them before I come in. Start the coffee maker. Read the Daily Stoic. Check your FanDuel account. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm on to bet. I'm on to the fifth app now. Sixth app. Um, Take your scoop of pre workout. <laughs> oh, yeah. is that just me? <laughs> yeah. Are you still doing pre workout? No. Side <laughs> tangent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and um, I, st- I still use that. C4 ultimate all day. Well, and I think you were talking before about um, you know nutrition. I, I like to look. I mean, nutrition stuff is is such a lifetime battle. I think, I do think it's very, you know, it it does tie to a lot of the stuff because it's a lifetime battle as well. Um, I like, you know, reps in the gym too, I think is one of those things that's like, you know, do you, do you count your reps and do you take your reps intentionally? Do you try, if it's a squat, do you try to make sure you're doing the squat all the way down, all the way up? Do you make sure, you know, if it's a, a a lunge, do you try to tap your knee and make sure you bring your feet together? Like, are, are these things happening with some intention or are you okay if you cut the corner, like just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like, again, these are all just like, I, I look at all of those things as just little opportunities to practice some of this stuff, um, going back to sort of that right or wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and my same thing, then one of the things I struggle with sometimes as a coach, and we talk about justice, this is probably the biggest one that I, that I struggle with as a business owner and as a coach. Um, and some of this is like the nuance of coaching, but like making sure that I am, 
as fair as I can be as, as a coach during some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. When I see, you know, let's, let's say, you know, let's say Bobby, let's say you're doing a workout and, you know, I know you're struggling and, and like last week you were doing a workout and you were dying and it's like, Hey, we got to change the reps down. Right. It's not the wall ball box. Jumps. Yeah. It was so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like, it's not like, Oh, look at Bobby's shaving reps. He's got no integrity. What a shit bag. <laughs> right. It's like, no, let's be fair. Right. And let's make sure, but I have to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, treating people with uh, consistency um, in that. And then making sure that, you know, we have those conversations about, you know, scaling properly and some of those things after the fact. Uh, but that's, those are those reps that I like to think about as like, okay, how can we take these as like learning opportunities on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. um, and, and flex that muscle, grow that muscle, build that muscle every day? Yeah, well, you, you said, I'm going to read this real quick because yeah, um, Marcus Aurelius said, justice was the most important of all the virtues. To him, it was the source of all other virtues. After all, how impressive is courage if it's only about self-interest? What good is wisdom if not put to use for the whole world? So again, using that for the whole gym or like what you just talked about is trying to be fair for everyone. Um, and, um, you know, it's not about how you feel your self-interest. It's about making Bobby better. Right. And so how do you do that? So, yeah, I think justice is, um, probably the toughest. I, I feel like that's the one too, for, globally for me, like, am I, is that the one that I practice the most? Do I, do I speak up, you know, when I see a misrepresentation of justice per se? And I feel like sometimes I don't do that, Mm -hmm. but, um, so yeah, that one needs some work there. Well, and I think, you know, injustice or watching the, you know, the opposite or the negative when you see an injustice, I mean, it's why, you know, people who are into sports ball, as Dave would put it, um, you know, hate referees so much is, is you get to see firsthand these horrible injustices happen upon these players and it gets you, you're so easy to just forget that like, well, the guys doing it are also humans too. Like it's not that they are lacking justice in and of themselves. Um, plus it's part of the game, right? Like as much as you hate this, like with the replay and everything, we could go down a rabbit hole here, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I think about that in terms of like, you know, a, a coach of a high school or something where people are like, yeah, I've got a good story about this. Like, Oh, the, you know, my kid's not playing cause the coach is horrible and he's playing this, this type of offense when they should be playing this. Well, well, first of all, what are you doing to help out? Are you volunteering on your time Two, hopefully this is the greatest adversity your kid ever has to face right. and let him face it and figure it out. You could sort of guide him, but you know, let him face that adversity. It's good for him. Well, and I, you know, I think when you, when you watch coaches, so the, you know, I, I was the assistant coach for Chris Sansbury and, and Chris, you know, when we were separate from the team and we were sitting down doing just our coaches meetings and we were deciding the coaches that we wanted to be separate from emotion, separate from the game, you know, what do we want to be? And so we built up these tenants. I'm sure I could look them up and find them, but, um, you know, the, the one that really sticks out is next play next play and everything a grave injustice you know in 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 middle school basketball you get the worst referees i mean it's and you feel bad like as a as a person just i, I have sort of a bleeding heart especially for like older men um and so you get like like these guys who are in their 80s and you just kind of got to think like 
what's going on maybe with this guy that he's got to come out here and coach or ref a middle school basketball game for 20 bucks. That's always where my mind goes. Right. And, and that hurts my heart. Right. I'm just like, oh, man, like, and then you get these parents yelling at them mm-hmm. and you get this and like, you're watching it, but man, sure enough, like they make a call sometimes. And as a coach, you want to just leap off the bench and it just like, it's such a visceral emotion. So we really tried as much as we can ahead of time to communicate to the team. Anytime that we see these grave injustices happen, anytime that another player is, if, you know, fights break out, things get physical, game gets chippy, ref, other teams, coaches yell and scream at other teams, parents, it's just look at each other and it's all next play. And it it was like, and so the team actually got really good at it. And to be honest with you, there were situations where um, a couple of our kids who are coming up, they're going to be juniors now at orange. And like, they're good athletes, like really good athletes, like a kid named Aiden Hannah, I think plays football lacrosse for him. And he was like our team captain, our our energy guy. He was an amazing kid. Um, And so I can't wait to watch him play some sports next year. Um, Eighth grade this kid was better than we were at this. Right. And so these, these things would happen and, and Chris would, would lose himself. Right. Um, and even me, like sometimes I wasn't good at checking him cause that was my whole responsibility is you got to check me. You know, if I lose myself, you got to check me. Um, and it, like Aiden, there was a, a really specific, I want to say it was against McCord and, and a heated game, close game. Um, things got real physical. Refs weren't really doing anything to stop it from getting physical. So that just kind of escalates. And, um, and Aiden just kept picking everybody up and we ended up winning the game. And there was like this certain play where Chris just kind of starts losing it and he's yelling at the refs and Aiden is just like, we were in the huddle and Aiden's just like, Hey, next play, next play, next play. We're good coach. We're good. We got this. And it I was just like, it like snapped me back to reality. And like, those are those moments where it's like talking about this stuff or having those plans ahead of time. That is when like, okay, maybe that one thing bled over to this one kid and he took, he like owned that for that season. But now you see how successful he is. Mm-hmm. And well, it's, it's just like, okay. Lesson yeah. in, in, you know, you're in the, in the context of sports and, you know, it starts with the parents yelling at the ref, mm-hmm. the, the coach yelling at the ref, the kids then yelling at the ref. And then just straight downhill from there. Yeah. And so, you know, much like in life, when you deal with those situations, you have to be able to, step back, look at all those external factors that you don't control. Yeah. Tell yourself, I don't control those things. And, and, and what's the best way forward? I mean, I mean, I'm sure you tell your kids like, do, you know, do not listen to any parent. Yeah. If a parent's out there yelling, it's not for nothing good's going to come of it. Just don't even pay attention to it. Right. Just play the game. And same, same with life, right? Like you have to sort of, you deal with all these external things as they come, control what you can control. Play well, and how do you, how forward. do we expect kids to control their emotions 100%. when the parents don't and the coaches don't. Mm-hmm. And we played, a, we played a game against Worthing way. And I mean, I didn't, it was the only coach I've ever, I didn't shake his hand after the game. I was so embarrassed for him. I mean, it was, I was just like, dude, the fact that you're out doing this in public, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to the kids. If I was the principal of the school and I just watched you coach that, I would have pulled you out in the middle of the game, finished coaching the game well, myself, and yeah. I would have fired you on the spot. Well, that would have been a perfect opportunity Jeff, for you to tell him that. <laughs> yeah, right. Because nobody's probably told him that or they've let it they've yeah. let it continue. But, right? Yeah, right. And maybe, I don't know, who knows, maybe it would have been received, maybe it wouldn't have been. But, you know, I think those are those things where it's like, 
how can you expect? So of course the kids had no discipline and they had no control yeah. and they, you know, were emotional wrecks and they were screaming at the ref, slamming yeah. balls, technical fouls. Yeah. And it's just like, well, of course, like, like you said, you know, show me your friends. I'll show you your feet, show me your coach, show me your parents. Yeah. I'll show you, I'll show you the type of team you're going to be. Um, and probably, I don't know if you guys have been around sports long enough and not to talk too much about sports, but you've probably played against those, that team, the mm -hmm. team that was dirty and had, you know, cheated a little bit and kind right. of maybe even took pride in it. And their, their fans and coaches were the ones screaming and stuff. And you're just like, it's like a whole thing, you know? And, and it's, it's, it's like, it's easy. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I was guilty of it when Jack was young, I mean, you know, playing flag football and just crying. Like, why are we crying playing sport? Like, yeah. Because, you know, we didn't we didn't make it fun. Yeah. You know, you wanted the kids to win so bad. You want to do a good job as a coach. You get caught up in it. And the next thing you know, like, you're losing the game. Kids are crying. And that's, you know, it's a horrible example. To yeah. Set, right? Instead like, of just being like, I play basketball now. And honestly, I, I'm dead serious. I drive back every day. It's 12 minutes up to Liberty High School for me. And I drive home in silence every time. And I literally just say, like, I'm so grateful I didn't get injured. I'm so grateful I was, like, able to play today. Like, to be able to have an organized basketball game, you know, at 38 years old, like, that's – that, and be able to still play, you know. Like, right. like those are those things where, you know, just imagine if you if, – if a kid could just walk away from a field just totally indifferent to win, loss, and just, like – I'm just so grateful we were able to play today. That was a great game. You know, I had so yeah. much fun. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen it before, but um, I mean, it's totally changed my enjoyment, you know, of, of the game and of being so appreciative and grateful. Like you said, just being able to take some of this stuff and being so grateful for what you have. Oh man. That's you know? a, I mean, that's probably the next podcast is like gratitude, but I mean, I think about that. All the time. I think it's like day it. three. I mean, it's daily stoic two or three. It's like January 3rd, I think, yeah. is gratitude is the attitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I think, you know, that's, it's not like a disgust core tenant, but I feel like it probably should be. Yeah. I just, it's interesting hearing you guys talk about justice in the context of, you know, external interactions, external observations. You know, I, I, I probably should think about that a little bit more when I'm applying like to my own decision making. I think of it more internally for myself, like having justice for yourself and knowing what you're capable of and for lack of a better phrase, like not cheating yourself. And so um, like one, you brought up the, the, the uh, basketball story and it reminded me of this time when I cut a corner as a high school kid. So I played baseball. I was not good. Um, and so by senior year, I was like, I'm never going to, you know, I'm never going to play, but I still want to be on the team, whatever. And during one practice, like, there were only three seniors left. Me, uh, my friend, who I'm still friends with today, and then an, another guy who was going to go play D1. Like, he was on the team because he was a star senior. And at the end of practice, you know, the, the culture on the team was like, if one person screws up, everybody has to run or do something, right? So one person did something. We had to run suicides to end practice. And we had to run eight and so we get down to like six, seven, or eight, and nobody even knows what number we're on. And so um, the coach is like, once you're done, you can go get a drink of water, and then we're going to come back and clean up. So we're on seven, and everybody thinks so we're on eight. So everybody, including all three seniors, including myself, we go to the water fountain. And we're at the water fountain, and um, the coach shouts that we had only done seven. And so the water fountain's like 10 feet away. And so 
there are a chunk of people that go back and they do their last one. And there are a chunk of people, including myself, that stay and we go drink water. So everybody was concerned, like, we need to go back and finish what we're doing and finish, you know, our, you know, our consequence. And a bunch of us decided, like, you know what, I'll go do it. But, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a drink of water first. And then the, um, so as I was waiting to get the drink of water, the senior who's going to go play D1 finishes his eighth and comes back. And now he's behind me in line. And he just goes, go do your eighth. You're cheating yourself right now. And I've never forgotten that experience ever. And so you made the comment about the gym, like scaling down the reps. I don't give a shit if I'm the last person to work out. You know, I, I really, and that's what I encourage. I, I encourage folks to not care so much about that. Yep. I've had my, again, in terms of wisdom, I've had my own life experience that I pull from. You know, I forget reps every now and then. And yep. Maybe I won't hit my 21st and do 20 thinking I did 21. Um, but in terms of justice, like I think about that in the yep. gym. Like the gym is such a, to me, it's like very much a lab for all the things we're talking about. Yep. All the things that you can experience in life uh, with your relationships at work, relationships in your family, uh, relationships with your friends, your own physical fitness, your approach to physical fitness, you can kind of test all of that yep. in a friendship. And so, you know, that story, just that youth sports story, I don't know why it made me think about that. Cause I'm like, more often than not, when I think about justice and stoicism, I'm thinking about ensuring that I'm not cheating myself, knowingly cheating myself out of a workout, out of eating a meal. Am I going to make it through the sawmill road, Powell road vortex of fast food on the way home or am I not? Um, and so in that context, I think about it like folks should not only think about it towards other people, right? Like what is fair and what is unfair? What's the right thing to do? But also for yourself, like what are those things um, when you're up against, when your back's up against the wall and your heart rate's jacked up and you're like, you know what, I just, I just really can't do this other rep. Yeah. You know, I just can't do it. What's a decision that you're going to make? But you know? when you and, do that, but that's the, like when you do do that rep or finish it or go all the way, like, you know you're more proud of it. Like you oh, feel so fucking good. Yeah. It's a drug. I mean, yeah. it feels so yeah. good that you're able to accomplish it. Again, you're talking in terms of the, of the gym, but it could be in work. It could be at the grocery store, taking the grocery yeah. cart yeah. back into the into the. Well, and Sean, even you, like you, you have hired people from the gym, and I can guarantee you that we have had a conversation when you were looking at having those, and you just kind of it was just a pulse check. Just what do you think of this guy or girl? Like, what do you, what do you think? And I mean, there, and then same thing, Maria will tell you this a lot. Like she used to be sort of like the gym, you know, a hook, hookup person, right? Like, Oh, do, what do you think about Bobby? Like he's cute. And Maria would be like, Oh Sorry, yeah, ladies. no, you'd like Bobby. Um, Locked up since day one at the gym. <laughs> yep. And so, um, you know, but like she will come home sometimes and she'll just be like, you know, I thought Steve was a great guy, but I watched him do a workout today and he was shaving a bunch of reps. He wasn't doing everything. And she's just like, and I'm out on him. And it's just like, and she's kind of like your buddy. <laughs> Damn, Maria. Yeah, dude, she's, she's hardcore with that. She, she judges, to be. <laughs> she like, she will judge your character. And obviously there's, um, ability things that come in. Like if you're brand new and you're still learning and you don't know how to move, but like, this is a big thing. You know, Mitchell is really the person who sticks out on me when Mitchell first came. I don't know if you remember this, but there's at least a dozen stories. Um, a Sandsbury story. Well, yeah. And there's lots of them. Right. But yeah. they like, but that was the thing was Mitchell had bad integrity when he first joined. And it, again, talk about the, he was the product of the environment. He was coming from this gym that was on Bethel road. That was, um, it was 
name names. Open. I forget the name (laughs) of the gym. It was open gym all day. Right. And all these young kind of macho guys, it was super inexpensive. So it was like 49 bucks. So there's a bunch of like 20 and 25 year olds would go in and they would find the hardest competitive program there was that they had no business doing and they weren't getting coached. And so then that gym closed and then they all started looking for other gyms and a bunch of these guys came by and they're like, yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm a competitor and I'm looking to compete and uh, I want to come in and just like kind of, you know, kick your guys' asses for a little bit. And, and so you're just like, okay. And like the vibe didn't match. And so Mitchell was one of the only ones from that group who ended up joining, but you saw right away some of the issues, right? Was it was, it was a competitive culture and in that world, it, there was nobody leading it from mm-hmm. At the open, you're going to get judged. At regionals, you're going to get judged. And no matter how well you do in practice every day, when judging time comes, if you haven't been doing the right thing, it's going to show. Right. And everyone's going to be able to see that you were cheating this whole time, right? And you've seen this over the years. There's been a handful of people just that have done this. Just doing the open at the gym. Yeah, just doing the open at the gym. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Just watching, you can tell real quick. And then you see the people like, Star Fox, you're always like, holy shit, he does way better. How did you guys get on the podium? And like, and you see this stuff. It's like because he does every rep, every day, every time the right way, just like he would in a competition. So it's no different right. from him. Right. Um, and Maddie. and so that was when when Mitchell came. Then he was coming right at the height of John and Chris. Um, and um, you know, Mitchell went to Liberty. He was a few years younger than them, and so there's like this tie there. And you know, they they just took it upon themselves to sort of check his integrity. And now it was like this moment where all of a sudden now you're in a culture where it's do the right thing all the time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And and always kind of like this. I'm always watching, right? And I mean, I am always watching. For those of you listening, you guys know. <laughs> I am always watching like, and Bird's eye it freaks, it freaks people out sometimes, but like I, I, you know, there's, I've done it so long and I've coached so many classes. I know how long wall balls take, right? And you can do 31 wall balls in a minute. That's it. Who can, you can just people <laughs> like generally you can't, John, John you can't can. do 35, right? Time-wise, it takes too long for the ball in the air to hit the target height, to come back down to you, gravity and squatting. It's basically impossible to do more than 35 in a minute. And so if I program something like 40 wall balls, and then I hear your ball smack the ground, and I look up at the clock, and it's 54 seconds, I know automatically that you did not do the reps, right? And so then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'll go back. I'll check the security footage. I'll watch. And then it's just like, and then the back of my mind, I just catalog it. And it's just like, okay. This person, we got maybe have some integrity issues, something we're going to have to work on, something we're going to have to coach. We talk about, hey, coaches, just, hey, saw this today. Wanted you guys to know, just check, right? And then things like masters come up. And if those people never want to compete or they, you know, they don't care that much about their improvement or their development and they are just there to work out on on a normal day and they're trying to achieve other things, all that stuff's all good and fine. But if we come into the conversation down the road where it's like, well, I'm not getting better. This program is not hard enough. Or I want to do the masters or all this other stuff starts coming up. And it's like, well, we got to start with doing all the reps every day. Because we're not doing the right thing every day. Mitchell told a story when I was first at the gym and goes back to the Sandsbury's. And I forget what workout we were doing. And I was maybe there a year. And um, I was bent over and I had my hands like on my shorts and he was like talking about a workout that he did with one of the Sandsberries where he did, Mitchell did that. And they were like, get your hands off your shorts, you stand up. And so that was like, 
a thing that he did. Like if he was really breathing heavy, he's, and a lot of people do that. Andy does that. Right. But I mean, we all get caught sometimes doing it, but that was one of those stories where he coach Brian, if he listens to this is going to go all nerd on us because that has now been studied as an adequate (laughs) rest position. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually studied that because everyone was always, this is like all the old, like Russell tucked in t-shirt coaches, right. We're all like, get your hands off your knees, you know, like, uh, and now they like actually went and studied that that actually is like a resting position for your ribs to be able to breathe and take oxygen more back to standing straight up. We know, Brian's not listening. We can talk about lifting belts all we want on this <laughs> podcast. Well, we did it last week on those wall balls where we were partnering on Saturday, and we were, and I was like, "How many was that?" And you were like, "35." And you were like, "No, it's 45." And we had to do ten. You remember we did the ten more? Yeah, I mean, at they, the end, I mean, don't don't hear us saying like. And then I think, we. I think what we're trying to say is like, just hold yourself to a higher standard because the who are you the, competing the, against? The, the You're competing against yourself, right? Not doing that is all on you. You know, so you're the one that has to live with that. Yeah. Nobody else does. Well, worst know? case scenario, I mean, you just get you just get better. Like you do the reps right. more. You just right. okay. You're here to get better. You're here to exercise, and and now you just get a better workout because you do more reps, and it is what it is. And it's always just been like a sort of a confusing thing for me. Where um, I don't know. It's just never. I've never. I've never felt the need to do it. Um, you know, but I've seen it a lot over the years, and I think it's always one of those things where, um, you know, the I I hope and my whole belief in when we sort of really tried to shift the culture at the gym away from the really competitive stuff. This was a core purpose of it because we saw that stuff starting to become pervasive. And I saw that start to become a part of the culture. And if you guys have listened to the podcast, I'll get, if you know, my number one thing is integrity, integrity, integrity above all else, no matter what. And imagine me, that being my thing, and then my gym is this pillar of people cheating reps and cutting corners and workouts and doing all this stuff. Like that was so hard to sort of, um, you know, put that square in the circle for lack of a better way to put it. I mean, I think I'll push back a little bit. I think the reason you probably, I I think because that's a core value verse of yours so early in life is because your, your experiences and, you know, to some, like your level of fitness as well. So like there's probably an easy reason why you wouldn't, cut reps where somebody who is completely out of shape probably would like I can I, I can understand someone's psyche why they would when they come in I think though I think what my no, I'm message talking about is competitors oh you're talking about competitors I'm talking about competitors I'm just talking about people at the gym I'm talking about the Jeff I want to go to the CrossFit games oh, okay yeah well but you know it still happens with people who don't want to do that right like, for sure yeah but I think I, I understand I I guess my point like I understand why somebody would when they mm-hmm. come in because it's really you know for the most part it's probably really rooted in embarrassment. You don't yeah, want to be sure. you don't want to be the last guy or last girl. Right. Yep. You don't want people well, watching I, you, etc. But my my I mean I, I would tell the coach straight up like you failed if if that's the way a person feels in a workout at our gym. Mm-hmm. We didn't scale appropriately. We didn't do our job as coaches. Like that is a failure of us, and mm-hmm. we should apologize to the client for making them feel that way. That's the way that I look at it. Um, we're never perfect with that. The coach is never perfect, and the client's never perfect in that way. Um, but you're exactly right is, is there is a hundred percent like ways that I can design workouts that make people feel that way and that make people do it. Right. And if I just say it's this like long four time thing that I know certain people struggle with, let's say it's like 
wall climbs or something like that, right? Where an untrained person is going to struggle with that. And Maria can do 20 in like a minute and it's an annoying, right? right? right. And so if I do a four time workout with a bunch of that stuff in there, as opposed to an AMRAP where everybody finishes at the same time, right? And you've got this thing and you've got a deconditioned person on a four time workout. Well, Maria has been done for seven minutes and she's sitting over there and she's daisy fresh and she's chit chatting and talking Mm. and having a great time. And meanwhile, you're over here dying on the wall, struggling, right? And embarrassed, right? Yeah. And so like, so I try really hard by design to not do that in the workouts to people. Also knowing that there is still some value in doing the doing workouts that sometimes have those tenets. And so it's not every day, but you shouldn't ever recognize like two or three of those in a month. But again, like these are things when I talk with other gym owners, uh, because this culture, it is a thing. And I will tell you that a lot of gym owners, CrossFit gym owners really struggle with this. Like this shuts gyms down. I mean, legitimately, Will is a culture killer that ends gyms, and it's pervasive, and it's talked about on the affiliate owners' forums weekly. Um, and I, I try to, anytime that anybody asks for my advice or talks to me about it, I always say the same thing. I'm just like, you, you have to change everything from the top down. It's who your coaches are, the way they coach, the types of workouts that they do, um, the types of workouts that you write. Like, it's it's everything you do has to embody that. And yeah, that's going to mean sometimes that you do workouts that maybe don't satisfy the most elite people. And maybe, yeah, it means sometimes like you're doing an AMRAP instead of a four-time. Um, but, you know, I, I think that those are those things that, um, you know, you have to know, like going back to these tenants, you have to know what the real purpose is. And my purpose isn't necessarily, my purpose is definitely not to get people to CrossFit games. It wasn't a time. Right. And so I learned from that. Yeah. I learned it. I learned from that. Right. Why are Sean and I at the gym then? And so you have these four tenants. What my goal is now is to make people better versions of themselves, better people. Right. And I think a part of being a better person is being a healthier person, eating better, being able to bleed that health over to your family. But a big part of it is this stuff. And that's why I started the podcast to begin with is like, We've got to start having conversations about this stuff because a healthy life is incomplete without a healthy mind, without a healthy mindset. Like, oh, for sure. I mean, I think if we, under your leadership, if we had not transitioned the gym to where it is today, I probably would have left a while ago. You know, there was a time. I I think people make assumptions that like I was walking every day, high fiving people, loving the gym, loving the workouts, etc. I mean, there was a. I mean, there was a good stretch of years where I was incredibly intimidated by. The other men in the gym, they were fitter, faster, stronger than I was. Um, we were, you know, we were putting our times up on the board after every class. Yeah. Shout out your time, shout out your score. I mean, I think that contributed a lot yeah. to like the cheating. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and it, you know, it, it caused. I mean, it it caused judgment between the clients, right? Yeah. Like, forget the forget even the coach client dynamic. Yeah. I mean, people would look at each other and you know become friends, and you're like. Uh, no fucking way he or she did that in that yep. time. No, no way yep. they did uh, uh, the four time workout yep. in that time or whatever. And so gossip, back talking, all that stuff. Exactly. And so yeah. now I'm just like, I love it so much because I, I, I do feel like it's bringing people into the gym that, um, you know, their experience is as advertised, right? So, and, and in some sense, like the coaches and you, aren't the ones that you, you may, you set the tone, you set the culture, but it's on the clients to carry the water. Right. right. So, you know, it's, it's all of us contributing to the culture. And I think over time, um, 
it's I love coming in now because you see people from all different walks of life, all sorts of different backgrounds. You don't have, you know, this core contingent of folks that just work out in the corner um, because they, you know, they aspire to go to the games for, for better or worse. That's what they want to do, which I think it's fine if that's the case. But that was a that was a that was a very pervasive culture at the time where like doing the workout of the day was sort of secondary to some of these other individual goals that people had. Right. And, and, and if that wasn't your goal, you just wanted to be the person hanging with the person that had that goal. Right. And so at the end of the day, you and on some days of the week, you just like totally lose sight of like why you're even going out to work out for an hour, you know? Right. So I think, I think the progress that's been made, not just in the, the format, but even how the coaches are approaching um, classes, I mean, I think it's, you know, we're doing some world-class stuff here. And I that's like, why I think, like, working out and working on these tenants for yourself, it's just the perfect place to do it. You have supportive coaches. You have two options. Right. Multiple hours throughout the day for what you feel like you want to do what's best for you. But when you're in there, you know, push yourself to do the reps. Push yourself to get a little bit uncomfortable um, and know that when it's over, you either will have broken through a mental barrier or yep. a physical barrier um, and if you didn't, oh, guess what? You just come back, come tomorrow, back tomorrow and try it again. Yep, exactly. And that is the, like, I love, I just worked out with a new guy the other day at 6.30. Um, Matt, maybe was his name. And he a lot was, of Matts, too many We have a lot of Matts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he, yeah. he had a Gehanna shirt on, I think, maybe. Okay. Um, Gehanna Matt. And, you know, we were going, I forget what the workout was, but I said, how long have you been coming here? And he's, he's like, uh, you know, a little over a month now. I drove past it. I saw it, you know, and it's been awesome. I love it. How long have you been here? And I was like, well, four years, nine months, apparently. <laughs> um, apparently. Oh, um, God, here we go. But anyway, like, I love, Just about to end, like, that, end this that gave me, I mean, I love, I was so energized by working out with that, that new guy. Just, again, the courage for him to come in, try something new, love it. And then you have to hold yourself accountable. Like, this is how we do things here. You're part of this culture. Yeah, yeah. that's the example. For let's sure. go, let's go get it. But, I mean... It's, um, the, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like the culture that it is now from where I, what were, when, you know, four years, nine months ago, um, is, I love it way more than coming in doing a weightlifting piece and then like a benchmark workout. I wouldn't, workout. I wouldn't yeah, even right, characterize right. it as bad. I don't think the culture was bad. It was just, it's very clear that Jeff knew where we wanted, where he wanted the gym to go. Yeah, the culture was and, still great. What yeah. I'm saying in terms of workouts, I don't know if my body today would hold up to those workouts sure. that we did on that. Ba- on, yeah. like, we did those workouts like every day. Yeah, I think the way I would probably put it is the cu- the culture needed work. Culture was not great, but the people were great, right? right. Like they, right. The, the way I look at it is, um, you know, we had um, a really, and we still, you know, we have this, this core group, you know, you look at the 10 year wall and the five year people and all this stuff. Like I look at that group and, um, you know, that's, those are the people that, that I'm so proud of. And because they have stuck with it because of the potential, Mm -hmm. right? Like they saw that, like you said, there were times that things weren't great, but they believed in the potential because of the people. Um, and you know, Emily talks about that a lot. And, and, and I like having these conversations with coach Emily because you know, she really is, is, uh, similar to you guys. I think she really enjoys build. Mm-hmm. Um, she enjoys getting to coach and see the other side of things a bit. Um, uh, but really is just like, um, you know, like I, you know, I, she would not have stayed at the gym a hundred percent if we still ran sort of the old model. Um, and so, 
you know, having those conversations with her has been very helpful for me. And then obviously with Andy and some of the other coaches and a lot of you guys as clients. So, you know, it's definitely been something, um, you know, I still have a lot of goals and we've, we've talked about those kind of for this summer and just different things to continue to, you know, share this culture and grow this culture and, you know, hopefully start the culture younger and bring some of the stuff into the kids and the teens program. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I appreciate you guys saying that, but you know, it's definitely something that I hope we continue to get better at. I didn't get boxed out of yoga. Here I come this Sunday. Oh, oh, oh. Should we talk about yoga real quick? I think it's interesting, you know, do the, it, do the plug. So I had, well, we don't need to plug it. We need to, don't yeah, come don't to, to yoga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite <laughs> of plugging. It's too popular. Say less, say less. Um, you know, we, um, you know, the, the fun part about a lot of this. So Grant and I, you know, I think you guys have probably heard the story. We, we, we went down to a, um, a gym convention for gym owners down in Charlotte and we drove. And we made it a conscious point to drive because Grant and I don't get to spend near as much time as we did when we lived together and Mm -hmm. we were single and we, you know, all that stuff. And that was really where the gym was born was us living together and being single. And we, we were, it was such a Joey and Chandler apartment. We literally had a mini fridge in the middle of two lazy boys on the side of the TV. It was so, it was so like macho and you know, we really hadn't done that. So, so we drive down to Charlotte and we get a chance to talk on the way down and then you go through these conferences and we like those as just a, they're almost like a creative drug where like they, they just stimulate your brain. We energize yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. you start thinking about where do we want to go? Where do we want to go? And then we had this just six hour drive back and it was just like, we were both just like clicking and everything was kind of firing and we were just talking about all this stuff in the direction we wanted to go. Um, you know, and, and we, had this idea for for sunday that was five years ago um and you know we at the time we were talking about maria being a yoga instructor and you know she really didn't want to do that you know she had kind of played around with it before and it's just not her um shtick per se you mm-hmm. know she's she's maybe a little bit too high energy to be that like calming but stuff 100 percent yeah yeah 100 <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but stuff's a little more her speed right and <laughs> damn it that name of that class <laughs> is <laughs> you authorize yeah yeah right exactly yeah it did make me laugh when because uh, uh, the to, to side tangent for butt stuff real quick the very first time I ever heard it said by anybody else was Shelly Sansbury and Emily Sansbury. <laughs> we went to John's birthday party and we were bowling. And the next Sunday, it was a Saturday night, and the next Sunday was the first butt stuff class. And and Shelly leans over to Emily and goes, Emily, do you want to do butt stuff tomorrow? And <laughs> <laughs> the people that were at the party with us were like, the fuck are these two talking about? And so they just kept going back and forth. So anyway, so that's, that's the butt stuff story. But, um, you know, and, and so we, we wanted this idea of a restore day where we, we just were like, okay, listen, like hit it real hard throughout the week. Saturday's a day where we give an opportunity to maybe do a partner workout or a little bit of a harder workout, something maybe slightly more challenging. And then Sunday is like, we hit the reset button. Right. And that was kind of our, like our, our big plan. We felt like that was, um, you know, gave people the best opportunity to stay healthy for the long term. Um, and we really like the idea of yoga to sort of be an opportunity for a spiritual reset for maybe people who, who aren't religious or, um, you know, don't ever have that, you know, like, like Sean would say, it's kind of like, a uh, that's a bunch of who, you know, yeah. it's a, like that, that kind of mentality, but maybe if we do it, you know, maybe people will be open to doing something that they haven't done before. 
And so it's, it was really cool. I kind of said that piece the very first week was, um, it's really cool to, to have sort of this idea of maybe this would really work. It would be popular. And then like you show up and there's like 60 people there and you're like, holy shit, this is the biggest class we've ever had at friendship exactly. in, you know, 13 years. Um, so that was pretty cool. You know, and that so was, many people are open to it too. Like that, the, my back row last week was <laughs> yeah, what a back Ale- row. Alex, Alex cracking Fate, up. me, I go look at these Trey, degenerates, Alex Calfee. <laughs> And it's like, you know, we're all there with our hands on our heart, yeah. breathing. And I mean, it is, it's a great, I love the, I mean, I'm, I've always loved endurance. It's my favorite class, but the endurance to yoga, man, it is. Oh, so you're doing both. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, look at you. Yeah. That's, it's, that's, it's, it's, that's, and, it's and popular in, right now. There's a lot of people doing is that. Almost, yeah. I mean, the endurance, endurance is, is just as packed. It yeah. used to be, you know, 10 people mm-hmm. and now it's. Endurance up. is overrated. Lift weights. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, but that's, that's been my hope is to get that feedback from you. And just in terms of like, you know, is this having the effect? My hope is that you notice, Hey, my body's feeling better when I get into Monday, Tuesday, like, or as I get into later in the week, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, more mobile. I'm feeling more relaxed on Sundays. I sleep better. Some of those things. So it's kind of my long term like hope with it, I think is, is to see some of those things really start to play out in it's, terms of people's like yeah. less, less injury, more mobility, better um you know fatigue management and and making sure that like we're you know keeping things on a 10 15 20 year timeline trajectory where it's like hey we have to have something that helps people heal just the same as we have you know because i can like i said in the email like i can destroy the shit out of you guys every day if i want to it's really not it's not it's not um productive for you know what we're trying to do long term you almost got there with me this week if i didn't take a day off (laughs) well you should you should take rest days yeah i mean you know look i i try to tell people now like there's still a lot of people there's still people that do two days there's still people that come in they'll do build in the morning thrive in the afternoon and i know yeah and you know it's i I try so much to just be um you know like i I do three days a week real hard one day a week i usually kind of i don't want to say phone it in but like i kind of phone it in you know and and it's just like i just want to move i'm not going to push anything i'm not competing with anybody i'm not um, I'm not going to crank up everything on you. Um, and then, and then basketball, and then I really take two full rest days, um, and try to prioritize my recovery. And honestly, I feel so much better than I ever have the days where I used to do 10, 15, 20 workouts. Like it's weird because you're fit, but you're not healthy mm-hmm. and, and neither mentally nor physically. Right. Um, and I just think it's, it's a road to nowhere. Actually, um, I actually had a, a thing and I actually wrote, um, down that I kind of wanted to talk about some of this. So it's funny we ended up here. Um, oh, where is it? I might not be able to find it this quickly. Um, oh yeah, no, it's, I wrote down. Uh, if a man knows not which port he sails, no wind is favorable. Um, and you know, I really, I really kind of thought about how that partakes to the gym and, um, you know, people who try to maybe hack it a little bit and it's just like, dude, you just don't even know like where you're going right now. Like well, it's not going mean, to, it's the, it's a road to nowhere. Well, Monday and Tuesday were rough. And then uh, Wednesday was hang cleans and build. Mm-hmm. And uh, ego was my enemy that day <laughs> because I got. You were all fired up. I, I, mean, was, I haven't seen you that high energy in the gym in Sam, a long time. C4. And I. Yeah. No, I did not. Oh, I think about it. It was evening class. So it I was didn't evening. Take any, yeah. But I was uh, paired up with Sam. And I don't, you know, we don't know each other that well. So I was like, oh, this will be fun. 
Um, and so we were, silent, and I looked at the sets, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh so. seven sets, not Robeson, Gaius. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, he, I've noticed just, a, you know, we've done a couple classes together, and he's, you know, a little timid with the barbell, but because I say that because he moves really well. Yeah, he does. And so we were warming up, and he was telling me his weight. He was like, oh, I want to end at 175, and I'm like, okay, that sounds good. And he's like, but we can start at 135, and I'm like, uh. If we do that, we're going to get there pretty fast. So why don't we just take it easy? But because I was working out with somebody new, um, I didn't really care what happened the two days prior. I was like, well, part of it is I want to set the example and have some fun together. Um, so I just kept loading that thing up. <laughs> and by the end of it, he had done 185 for his sixth set. And I'm just like, dude, you're doing 205. And he had never done that before as a hang clean. And... I mean, he hit it and did his three squats after easy. Yeah. But then I still had to do mine and I put like 245 on there. And I thought my eyeballs were going to pop out you of my are, head. You and are, then yeah. I'm like, well, I think I'm done for the next two days. That's, <laughs> that's it for me, folks. You are very good at doing that. You have a knack. For yeah, you did it to Sean the week to before. You did it to me. No, but <laughs> you're like, yeah. you get people, but you're like, oh, we're going to do this. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then by the fifth, but I will say that class was unique. There are very few classes that stick in my mind. But that that's a couple that, Thursdays I mean, ago when yeah, the three of us and Maddie got together. That was good. But I mean, what I mean, a feather in your cap for doing that consistently across the board to yeah. everyone. Like I cherish that. Like yeah. when I go in there and work out with you, and I know you're going to push me as much as I might dread it a little bit. I, I, it's awesome. Yeah. You crave it, and you you do a really good job of doing that consistently all the time. Well, I think the. What I tell myself during warmups is if it doesn't, when, if it feels good, I just got to, I got to let it ride. Yep. You know, I'm very much entering, we all are in phase mm-hmm. in our phases of life where it's like, look, use it or lose it. Yeah. So if it feels good, you got to sling it. Yep. And if it doesn't feel good, you need to do everything you can to make sure that you're getting a sweat in that hour, but you're not pushing yeah. it. Yeah. So, like leave feeling better that day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that day when we worked out together, you and I, yeah. um, I was just on, I mean, I was riding the wave that whole time and Maddie and Jeff partnered up. Yeah. They were color coordinated, which hits me right in the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were doing so well. And I don't know, you know, I hope everybody finds that for themselves in the gym where, you know, they're finding their text buddies to work out together. I think everybody on their friendship bucket list needs to find a way to hit a 515 class just once. Um, 515 a.m.? 515 or 630. uh, Come do it in the morning. I feel like that sets the tone for your day and ways, if you've never done it, um, it it, it could be a game changer for you. I I did my toe back into the uh, 515 water um, this week again, and it is a great, oh, man. I mean, Andy... What was that thing that did Andy send that to you? Where it's like to win the the win, to oh, win yeah, the yeah, season, yeah. to win the and it, that's what it was. That next day that I came to five fifteen, it was his self made real. It yeah. was to win this, yeah, to win the like season. Trying to be an influencer. Or, uh, <laughs> to win the year, you have to win the season. To win the season, you have to win the month. To win yeah, the yeah. month, you have to win the day. To win the day, you have to win the morning. I was like, yeah. Even if it doesn't yeah. take, I just think you know, just try it just once and see how it goes. Prepare yourself for that, you know. 1 p.m., 2 p.m., crash right after lunch. Yep. You know. And I did have to drive back from Toledo that day. (laughs) Coming home, I was like, windows down, chewing gum. Head out the window, trying to stay awake. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, I try to tell new people, like, you know, you guys, I think have both maybe worked out with Bear, but like just trying to get people in the mentality of like, look, there's, there's a thing 
here of there, there's going to be somebody better than you at whenever we're doing for the day. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like it does, it doesn't matter which class you're in. If we're rowing, there's a better rower than you. If we're biking, there's a better biker, there's a better runner, there's better, like there's just a better, I mean, it's like, you know, just when I thought like, okay, Hey, listen, a lot of these top runners are out and I'm feeling pretty good. Tori comes in this week, <laughs> Randy's daughter, who's, you know, 21, they're 22. Well, that was an endurance And workout, runs a 520. Yeah. No, it was a 630 AM, but oh, we ran a mile okay. and she runs a 520 easily and beats me by 20 seconds. And I was like, I was about ready to feel good for myself. Um, and, you know, but that is the thing that's like, that is such, that is like one of the biggest assets is it, you being there for Sam or being there for Sean or whatever, like having that person to look at you and say, no, I'm telling you yeah. that you look good. And now I'm telling you yeah. that you're, you're capable of more and we're going to go up. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not like just removing the option a little bit, but also like, you know, they don't have earned confidence yet and you're giving them the earned confidence right. basically is like you're, you're, you're letting them in on your earned confidence just of having felt the vibe and been in that energy flow and be able to watch them and feel that out and just be like, no, you know what? We're both feeling it today. Weights are going up. When weights are going up, we go up. So <laughs> right. let's go up and let's put some weight on. Let's get it. You need to ask Drew what happened after he hit 205 because Drew was in the lane right next to me. And he had 175 on there, and that was his PR. Yeah. And as soon as Sam hit his, I just turned my head to Drew, and I said, now you have all of my attention, buddy. Yep. <laughs> and he he failed it twice. And uh, he was working out with number two, and um, he got up there the third time, and I said, we're doing it, buddy. And he hit it, and he PR'd. Yep, that's um, awesome. Sometimes He's been on a PR train room, lately, yeah. You know, your, your, your body can do it. You just Maybe you just need a little... Nudge from a friend. To oh, yeah. It. I mean, so. I would have quit a hundred times over if I was still working out in the garage. I mean, I, I look at Grant and I actually talked about that, um, you know, um, at coming out of COVID stuff. And, you know, he came out of divorce and, and you know, we both just had a conversation one day that was just like, dude, the we just got to be so thankful for, for the gym just in terms of just like, you know, keeping us on this shit, you know, keeping us meeting new people. Um, you know, having this ability to, to, you know, give the, give things to people. And, and really, I think for him, just like, he's like, you know, I think a lot of people in divorce, they, 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 they sort of lose their friends groups, you know, they don't know where to go. And he's like, I, I haven't felt alone at, at all. He's like, I can just come to the gym and I've got all these people who have no clue. And he goes, it's a little awkward. And everyone's like, hey, where's Kristen? Man? I haven't seen her. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, you're not going to anymore. She's not here anymore. Right. Um, but, um, you know, that's I, I think the the biggest thing is like you get the the relationship stuff. But then once you get that relationship stuff, then you start to realize it's just like it's it's an energy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you guys are, are mentors now to these new guys. That's the biggest thing that fires me up now is like watching when I, I as a coach don't have to come in and be the guy who gives that to Sam. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, no, it's like, there'll be people sometimes where I'm like, nah, him and Bobby, they're doing their thing. Just let them do their thing. You know, just let them go. They, they've got it. Well, the funny, the funny thing is, you know, it's hard to maintain that energy for a whole hour. I definitely came back down yeah. to earth. Cause right after that, we had to do lateral PVC jumps and I immediately went to Shelby. I'm like, this scares me. <laughs> I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I mean, we did the Olympic lifting PR and I, and I partnered with Sam 
And like, I mean, I have not, I've not earned one ounce of lifting heavy Olympic lifting wise at all. So that whole day was just a, a crap shoot for me, you know, see how it feels. And I, I did not have it at all, but Sam had it. And it was, I was just like, dude, my whole Jenny was like, are you just like not lifting anymore? I go, fuck no. I was like, my whole thing right now is just to give Sam everything that he needs. Robeson, right? yeah, yeah. Robeson to just keep going a lot of because Sam's in the gym too. Yeah. I'm talking be, about Brown Sam. Yeah. Because he, he's like, you, you, you know, I mean, yeah. he's got it today. The energy is there. Like I'm watching his list. I'm like, dude, what's your lifetime PR? He's like, I don't know, like two 30. I'm like, pff, pff. <laughs> okay. I was like, awesome. We're, I was like, we're hitting 245 today. And he goes, he like kind of gives me the, yeah, right face. And I'm just like, dude, I'm telling you, like, just, I'm going to put the weights on the bar. You just sit and relax. I'll load your bar for you. And we're just going to lift. And he just kept hitting PR after PR. After now, PR. Matt LaMonica and Sam Robeson are the two guys at the gym that like you can barely get a word out of yep. because they're so quiet and humble during class, unless you know them very well, yep. who will absolutely torch you and yep. work out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those two, man. Every single time. Yeah. With Maddie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Maddie is my favorite with watching. That was, I told you, him and Jeff Nelson the other day. It's just such a, such a fantastic couple. I wish I could have known about that. I would have canceled whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, let's start wrapping up here. What about, about at our normal time here? Um, You know, I think the, the big thing, you know, we didn't necessarily like dive too deep into, um, actually, no, I think we actually touched on all of them pretty well you know, but wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. And that was sort of our big goal was to talk a little bit about the internal and external with the main core four tenets of stoicism. You know, again, if you guys are looking for more resources, if this is something that you think maybe some of these speak to you a little bit, um, you know, check out Ryan holiday meditations has a really good, um, translation that you can find on Amazon. It's probably the top rated Amazon meditations one. Um, and those are, those are two really good ones. So ego is the enemy obstacle is the way daily stoic. And then, um, meditations by Marcus Aurelius are probably like your core four that you can get into. Um, you guys have anything else in closing? Well, that daily stoic podcast too, if you're looking for another podcast, it's a really, most days it's five minute podcast and he'll touch on the, on the daily, you know, whatever the, um, the daily stoic is and, and talk a little bit about it, but it's another great way to start your day. If you want a quick five minute listen. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I subscribe to that. That's a good podcast. I would just say, you know, uh, just been doing these podcasts for a while. Sean and I have not. So, uh, it probably, maybe it shines through. I don't know, but give us feedback, uh, on the podcast, things that, um, we can get better at. We're definitely trying to make this a thing that is helpful for folks. I think that we're trying to have some continuity with this series, and so, you know, if you see us in the gym for, for better or worse, you know, let us know if you Absolutely. have any feedback and we yeah. can talk about that and debrief it. So welcome, welcome everyone's thoughts and input on that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I get to cheat a little bit. I get, I think probably a lot of the feedback for you guys, but I do know people really enjoy these. Um, and just like we talked about too, is we're just trying to flex our muscle. You know, we're early in our, our discussions of these things. And, um, you know, the, the crazy part for me about the podcast is watching new people come in and pick it up. Um, and so, you know, this might be somebody's very first podcast listen yeah. for the friendship podcast. And so, you know, they might get the feedback of, I still don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Um, <laughs> still might happen. That's you okay. know, but I, I think, you know, that's, um, I, I would be very proud if this was, you know, if these were the first podcast that people listen to, but I always think that that's, what's kind of crazy about it is, um, you know, this, this can be somebody's first like dive into our community and what we're all about. Um, and so that's only something I know that you guys don't take lightly and I definitely don't too. So, 
thank you guys for listening. If you guys made it this far, uh, that's a hefty chunk of your time out of today, and I really appreciate it. Uh, and we'll see you guys next month. Be well. Thanks.